We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into an NFL divisional round edition of the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast, sponsored by our great, great friends over at BetMGM. Make sure, as you've been doing, hopefully, all season, you're using our promo code BETROTO, B-E-T-R-O-T-O. You can use that over at BetMGM.com at the BetMGM app. You can receive up to $1,000 in bet credits if you use that promo code BETROTO. I'm Nick Whalen. With me, as always, John McKechnie from Rotowire. Jonathan, uh, a little bit less of a busy week for you this time around. Last time we spoke on this podcast, you had just gotten back from the national championship game out on the West Coast, uh, still basking in a second straight title, I would assume, for the Georgia Bulldogs. But our focus squarely now, Jonathan, uh, is on the Elite Eight in the NFL. We got four absolute bangers coming at us this weekend. I'm I'm so excited. Yes, uh, the, the Bask continues, but... Uh, you know, the, the people you you do a great job of letting of like indulging me and like tell tell my like ridiculous Georgia stories. I think the people want to peek behind the curtain, the teal curtain, if you will. Mm. What what was it like at Whalen Manor last Saturday night? Because mm. I mean, like I, I tuned in late. I, I tuned in when it was like 17-0 and was like, holy smokes, not not looking great, but I'm not I'm not gonna rattle any cages here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, the the game ends. Uh, I send you a text that, that is certainly not not uh, using language that, that we can say on this podcast, but very excited for you. Um, but but you know, walk us through what exactly was going down yeah. uh, up there. Uh, it was a somber scene, that's for sure. Uh, through the first quarter, into the second quarter, I I had one of my best friends and his wife came over to watch the game. Uh, they're they're Packers fans. They don't really care at all, uh, but they came to support me, and that's what's important. So I had to be on my best behavior. You know, I, I can't be pacing around. I can't be like throwing my little foam football at the couch. I can't be, uh, you know, I, I'm usually not too demonstrative. I'm not somebody where like Molly has to go like into the other room and, and like worry about her safety. Like that's not going to be an issue. But uh, I was just so downtrodden, like six minutes into the game that I, I was emotionless. Like I, I didn't, I wasn't even sad. I was just like, wow, this is like, as a football fan, it's kind of incredible what we're witnessing. Like what if Trevor Lawrence throws 14 interceptions in this game? Because at one point, he was on that kind of pace. So, you know, at, did I ever really allow myself to believe that the Jaguars were going to win the game? No, I did not. By by halftime, you know, they attacked on the one score before the half. It was 27-7. And yeah, you're, obviously you're doing the math and you're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe there's a chance. It is the Chargers. Uh, but, you know, the Chargers were receiving the second half kickoff. Uh, the Jags defense, you know, it, it's hard to say. They didn't play well, but they were also in just like horrible situation after horrible situation. So it's not like I felt great about coming out and getting a stop, but all of a sudden, I mean, I, at no point did I turn the game off or anything, but it, it was such a strange comeback because there were no, there were no like big plays. You know, I, I guess you could count the the long touchdown to Zay Jones, but even that one was like what thirty five yards, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, like there wasn't there wasn't a pick six, there wasn't a crazy fumble, there wasn't a muff punt. Uh, well, there was for the Jags in the first half, but there wasn't like this one player that it felt like the entire game swung. Like the Jags just kept chipping away and chipping away and chipping away, and all of a sudden the T formations out on fourth down and there's Travis Etienne running for a, a gimme field goal. It was, it was crazy. It, yeah, that was so electric. I was, so, I, I love a playoff comeback. Uh, 
and especially you know a team like the Jaguars, a team I, I know you're a big fan of, is like uh, you know as a as a pseudo neutral observer is like nice. This is this is exactly what I'm talking about. Saturday night NFL playoffs. Uh, my, my Sunday night didn't go as well, but I, I was kind of expecting a lot worse, frankly. But uh, it sounds like you know all things considered. It was an electric evening up there, and I'm I'm not surprised that that you're not like uh, you know on one of those government lists that uh, that like uh, sponsored by Walmart that this guy is going to break his TV. Um, no, but, no, no. but yeah, the TV's too important. I never understood that in the first place for, from those people. But uh, I guess it's mostly Steelers fans anyway. But yeah. either way, uh, congratulations on the dub. I mean that you know if nothing else that for for where. If we were doing this podcast a year ago today, would you have said that the Jags were going to be in the second round of the of the playoffs? Like, absolutely not. You, would I would have said that. I, I'm on the record one week ago today saying that they wouldn't be in the second yeah. round of the playoffs. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have said it a week ago, a month ago, uh, two months ago, three months ago, whatever whatever distance of time you want to put on this. I would not have said it. No, not at all. I mean, it's completely improbable. But at the same time, like, I don't. I guess you could kind of call it like the Cinderella-esque run, but I think that's more because the Jags have been so bad for so long and they've been like comically bad the last few years. Uh, but this is a pretty talented roster with a really good coach and a quarterback who has taken a major turn this season. So it, to me, it's like, it, it doesn't feel like the Bengals last year where all of a sudden you're like, whoa, this team might win the Super Bowl. Like, I don't, I don't feel that way about the Jags, but I, I also feel like talent-wise, you know, they're, they're coming out of a bad division. Like it's, it's not that crazy to me that the Jaguars ended up winning the AFC South and ended up beating a Chargers team that essentially lost the game uh, on its own. Now, it would be significantly more surprising if they have any modicum of success this week at Arrowhead. Yes, absolutely. I mean, similar to, well, you know, with the, with the Bengals, no one really even believed until they made it to the Super Bowl because going into that Chiefs game last year, everyone was mm-hmm. like, okay, like the, the, the run's over. They, they squeaked by the Raiders in, a, in what was kind of a forgettable uh, first round game. And then they, they go into Tennessee and they beat, you know, the weakest one seed in years. And uh-huh. y- yeah, honestly. And, th- and then, you know, the magical second half happens in, at Arrowhead and and here we are, but you know uh, what, what I mean to say is that, you know, there's a similar stage here, not, not the AFC championship on the line, but, but anytime that you can beat Patrick Mahomes in January, it's an, it's a, it's a big accomplishment, of course. I will say I'm surprised to to see, and this is via pro football reference, so th- there might be different lines uh, depending on where you look, but the Chiefs were only four-point favorites last year over Cincinnati in that AFC title game. Pretty sharp. Pretty sharp on, on, on their part. I, I bet a lot of the money came in uh, on the Chiefs for that one. Yeah, wait, no, never mind. Correction, correction. I'm looking at the wrong game. That was in, that was in a, a regular season game, excuse me. Uh, the Chiefs were seven-point favorites. Okay, that makes way more sense. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. That... All right. Correction on the fly. I apologize. We're back on. Yep. We're back. All right. Let's get back to what we do every week, John. And as the pool of games narrows, this becomes more and more difficult as do our parlays and teasers that we'll get to at the end of the episode. But uh, any lines of the four games that we have that struck you as notably too high or too low this week? Well, I've been banging the drama on the Bengals for a while. So for, for them to be five and a half point dogs, um, in, in this spot, obviously you're, you're going to be on the road in Buffalo and in the Bengals, I understand the arguments against them, right? Like the, the offensive line really banged up, suffered more attrition last week with it, with the Jonah Williams injury. Um, and they were outgained, uh, by, by Baltimore in that game outpossessed uh, by Baltimore, but you know, they still found a way to win, uh, um, by way of Sam Hubbard, just, uh, just destroying by way my of the devil. Yeah, honestly, like, a. a I know you're not the biggest movie buff in the world, but have you seen Mad Max Fury Road? No, but I'm very familiar with uh, the general goings on of that movie. Yeah, that uh, Sam Hubbard on the sideline with the oxygen mask afterward, looking like a, a Morton Joe. Just oh my god, it's going to stay with me forever. But uh, you know, the Bengals they didn't play their best game, and uh, and I understand the concerns moving forward with with that offensive line issue. But at the same time, the Bills did not play a particularly good game, and I, I think that they have. You know, and they were 13 and a half point favorites and they almost lost uh, to, to Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins. Now, obviously, some some fluky stuff happened in that one. But the Bills, they have turnover turnover issues and the turnover issues re- reared their ugly heads at home last week. I, I'm not going to pretend like the, those problems are going to be fixed in one week going up against a better defense. That is the Bengals said for 
to see them uh, f- favored by basically a, a touchdown, I, I'm out on, on the Bills at, at that number, and, and we'll get into it a little bit more, but I might be way out on, on that number. So that, that's the one that, that really stuck out to me. Um, and the Eagles, just because the Giants play everyone close, Dable's a great coach, and the Eagles would have to win this one by more than a touchdown. And we, we saw last week with teams like the, the Bills and the Bengals where, yes, they were playing teams that, that on paper they are big mismatches for and overqualified. But getting those first first playoff game jitters out, like I think that's kind of a real thing sometimes. And uh, uh, we can see it happen. We, we've seen you know teams coming off the bye in the playoffs look a little bit rattled. Uh, they obviously didn't have a bye last year, so they're not used to it the same way like the Chiefs are every every year. So I feel like the Giants could give them a bit of a game here. I got a whale of a stat for you, John, on those one seeds. I think you're totally right, especially when it comes to a team like Philly that with this core doesn't necessarily have like a ton of playoff experience to fall back on. I think it's one thing if you're the Chiefs or even the Bills. You know, you've kind of been in these situations over the last couple of years. You know how to handle it, but that's not the case with the Eagles. Uh, this is via the Action Network. I, I publish this article every week. It's one of my favorite reads, so make sure you go check that out. I did not do this research on my own. Uh, Evan Abrams is the guy from the Action Network who put it together. Um, only once in the last eight seasons, John, have both one seeds covered in the divisional round, and it's only happened twice in the last two decades. Uh, however, in that span, since 2003, both one seeds have gone 0-2 against the spread eight times, so almost half the time. I mean, it's it's you know highly likely that at least one of these teams is not covering, and there's a, a decent chance that one of them ends up losing outright. Which it's hard to imagine that happening, right? I mean, I I think if, if you ha- if you said to me right now, like I am telling you, one of these teams is going to lose. To me, it has to be Philly, right? Yes, it, it does. I think it comes to the lack of playoff experience, like you're alluding to, and I think that the Giants, on paper, that they're probably less talented than like the Jaguars are going up against the Chiefs, but I really like the, you know, Brian Dable, the coaching staff and their ability to, to figure things out and, and just kind of drag teams into playing the type of game that they want to play. They, they didn't totally succeed in that in that against the Eagles, like the first time that they played when everyone was at full strength or full-ish. I guess the Giants weren't. Well, that's, uh, that's the thing. Sorry, not, not to cut you off, but like, yeah. I, I just don't know that we could take that much from that game. And we can't take anything from Week 18 when the Giants, you know, sat starters, Hurts coming off the injury, whatever. The Eagles needed the game. They got it. A, you know, big, big deal. But in week 14, the Giants were so banged up. Like Saquon Barkley ended up playing in that game, was injured going in, was more injured going out. They had injuries all over the offensive line. They had injuries on defense. Like, like I'm not trying to stump for the Giants necessarily. Like, I, I do think the Eagles win this game, but I also don't think that was necessarily the most representative sample. And it also feels to me like the Giants have a newfound sense of confidence, uh, especially with how they won last week. Yeah, they, they absolutely do. They, they've really turned it on basically since that game the Giants have – um, and, you know, Daniel Jones looking good. I thought that they found like a nice little mismatch, basically, especially in the first half against the Vikings, where they, they really had him running a lot. I think he racked up like 70 rushing yards in the first half last week. They, they kind of shut that down in, in the second half a little bit. But, you know, that that's still yardage. That's still, you know, movement. That's still uh, drive, drive extending type of plays that end up in points. So, I mean, it, it's crazy to say, but, you know, da- they need to keep a lid on, on Daniel Jones's mobility. Yeah, I, I think that's been by far the biggest thing as far as unlocking Daniel Jones and kind of changing his reputation uh, around the league. I mean, you and I were on the MKF show earlier today, and we were asked, you know, if, if you're the Giants, do you do you give Daniel Jones that second contract? Uh, eight weeks ago, I, I think I would have been very much on the fence, maybe leaning toward no. Now, it, I mean, it feels like a, a virtual certainty unless there's just a complete disaster in this game, which is on the table. But, uh, you know, th- there's just there's something with Daniel Jones where like, he's never going to be, you're never going to feel about him the same way you feel about going into a playoff game with Patrick Mahomes or, or Aaron Rodgers or, or guys like that. But um, I think there's a case to be made that you can, with the right coaching staff, with the right scheme, with the right guys around him, you can absolutely succeed with a quarterback like Daniel Jones. And, and we did not know that as a certainty coming into this year. No, we, we did not. And uh, I, I guess that the bottom line or, or the thing that's creeping into my head as we break down the, this Eagles giants game is like, are we giving too much credit for them beating a Minnesota team that we, you know, kind of had circled as fraudulent for, for quite some time? Very possibly, especially because they had just lost to that Minnesota team a couple weeks earlier in what was a very meaningful game 
for both sides. Both teams were essentially at full strength for that game. So yes, very, very possible. I, I, I think, you know, it, it almost feels like the Giants like blew out the Vikings and that wasn't the case this past week. I mean, Minnesota finally lost a one score game, but yeah, I, I, I viewed that as such a coin flip. And I, I felt like even though the score was relatively close, like the Giants kind of dominated that game. Like they, you never really felt like they weren't in control. And I, I know the Vikings are frauds hundred percent. We, we've been through all the numbers, the point differential, all that. Um, so that, that is totally a good point. You know, they, it's not like they, they toppled some Goliath last week, but I, I just still felt like the way they controlled it against what's ultimately, even if they're frauds, they're still a good team. The Vikings, it's, I'm not saying it's like not a quality win for the giants, but I, I think that is the number one question for this game is you know, there, there, are, there are some questions we'll talk about on the Eagles side too, but it's how exactly do you value what happened last week? Because it was impressive, but you're going up against a completely different animal, especially on defense when you're talking about Philly relative to the Vikings. Yeah. Philly's defense is, you know, something else. It's deep. It's got talent at every single level. Um, I think their secondary is, is really, really strong. And that it's also a team that I think Jim Coventry might've mentioned it on the XM show earlier this week that like they had like 70 sacks this year. Um, just yeah. absolutely getting after the quarterback um, again, Jones, the mobility, the escapability, may, maybe they're able to, to, you know, limit the, the sack, number because you know sacks are just absolute drive killers especially in the postseason so you got to avoid those at all costs but um yeah i mean the, the eagles defense is definitely for real if but however if the giants defense is able to bow up and and you know keep a lid on you know the big plays to to aj brown and Devonte smith unlike they like they weren't able to do back in december um then you know all of a sudden the eagles off their rhythm a little bit if jalen hurts isn't running uh, the way that he that he was pre-injury, then that's another big concern for them because I, I'm not sold that like Miles Sanders uh, is totally equipped to to carry the load. I think that he needs some help from you know the the court the quarterback rushing threat in order to to really be at his full effectiveness. So mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden, if the Eagles kind of have to adjust on the fly here, um, that that's where Dable really wants to put them. The Eagles were not good defending mobile quarterbacks this season. Uh, fourth last in the NFL in terms of total rushing yards surrendered to quarterbacks. And look, some of that could be matchup based. You know, it's like if you, if you play Justin Fields twice, like the lions are dead last by a mile and that's because Justin Fields went off against them two separate times. Uh, but it's still not, it's not a plus uh, by any means for the Eagles. And it's ironic, you know, you think you're know, having a running quarterback on your own side, maybe you'd be a little bit better at, at, you know, kind of scheming that and defending against it. But I, I think it's, you know, it goes without saying like Daniel Jones needs to be effective on the ground or the giants aren't winning. Right. I'm not saying he has to run 12 times for 85 yards, but it can't be three carries for 12 yards. No. And I, I don't think we'll, we'll see that. I think that it has to be a big part of this giants game plan. Not now, whether he's ripping off, you know, seven, eight yards a carry different story, mm -hmm. but I, I do, I definitely do see Jones, you know, pushing for the eight to 10 carry type, type of number. So I'll rattle off a few more numbers that I have on this game. Um, a couple of these kind of pertain to a couple games. Uh, one, only 64% of teams favored by between 7 and 11 points in the divisional round end up winning outright. Uh, so we're looking at you, Chiefs, and we're looking at you, Eagles. You know, the, the numbers imply that one of those teams is going to lose outright this weekend. Uh, the Giants and the Jags, John, are the first pair of teams who began the year with 100 to 1 Super Bowl odds or longer to end up making the divisional round. First time that's happened since 1987. So we're talking like 35 plus years. Uh, Daniel Jones, 17 and five ATS as a road dog in his career. So th there are a decent amount of numbers that point you in favor uh, of the New York Giants in this game. I I'm with you. You know, we'll, we'll reveal kind of our full picks as we go along. I think the Eagles win, but I think the Giants cover this game. I, I just don't really think you know, the, the, the first Eagles matchup, notwithstanding, I don't really think the giants are the type of team that gets blown out very often. Um, now we'll see. I, the one thing that is now kind of skewed my opinion a little bit of the Eagles is what happened with Dallas and Tampa Bay on Monday night. Like I was on Dallas to win and cover that game. I was not on Dallas to just blow Tampa Bay out of the water and make that a laugher for three and a half quarters. And, you know, I, I think Dallas and, and, and Philly kind of closed the season in similar ways. Obviously with Philly, you have the injury, uh, that was a big part of it. But both of them kind of limped into the playoffs. You, you didn't really feel great about the vibes, the way they closed out the final three or four weeks of the season. And clearly it didn't matter at all for Dallas. So now I'm wondering, it's like, am I, am I reading too much into that for Philly? Yeah, we, we, we definitely could be. I mean, th this is a team that, you know, we're, we're you know, it's human nature to, to get more concerned or give more weight 
to what we've seen more recently. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the Eagles were, you know, the, pretty clearly like the, the best or, you know, 1B uh, type of team in, in the NFC all, all season with the, with the Niners not even really arriving to the party in, in that discussion until McCaffrey uh, showed up. And, you know, we didn't know that Brock Purdy was going to do what he what he was going to do, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to the Eagles, yeah, that 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 could absolutely be a thing where where we've seen teams kind of limp in. You get the week off. That definitely helps get everyone, you know, closer to 100 percent. But, you know, Sirianni, young coach. Um, yeah, not, not that Dable is, is super experienced as a head coach in his own right, but, um, you know, I, I don't give like some sort of big coaching advantage to, to Sirianni to like, he's, he's absolutely, I'm, I'm not even going to think twice about him having his guys ready to go. I think that they're, that the point's well taken, but I, I still don't like fully tr- trust Philly in this spot for, for whatever reason. Yeah. I, you would have liked to see them just have one statement game before the playoffs. Right. And the timing of the Hertz injury is, is the biggest thing. Like for all we know, if he stays healthy, you know, he cruises to an MVP and they, they just steamroll their way through the, the end of their schedule. And we're not even having this discussion. So like, I, I totally get that, but you know, that's something that we haven't really touched on is the Hertz injury and he's going to play. He played in week 18. Like it's not really a, it's not really a concern as far as like his availability goes. Like, I don't think he's going to be limited, but if he's at all limited as a runner to me, that, that changes things significantly for the Eagles, because even when Gardner Minshew is in there, we saw like, this could still be an offense that puts up points. They scored a ton of points on a great Dallas defense, but not having that rushing threat really changes things. But to me, I, I expect Jalen Hurts to be out there and look like MVP candidate Jalen Hurts. What, what are you kind of expecting on that front? Well, uh, it's good that he already has one game of playoff experience, even if it wasn't great. I think that's like a huge learning experience for, for him last year against Tampa yep. Bay. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like there, there could still be some jitters. I, I, I feel like the, the Giants are going to come into this one pretty keyed up on, on slowing him down, um, maybe throw some looks at, at him that he hasn't seen. You know, Wink Martindale, famous for, for his, you know, blitz, um, you know, emphasis and his ability to disguise stuff and, and send guys from all over the place to, to get after the quarterback. So um, if Hurts, you know, kind of is seeing things that, that he's not used to, then we could see a bit of a struggle from him. Yeah, 100%. I think you're spot on there. Um, let's see, before we get into these other three games a little bit deeper, which game do you of these four, and we, we can include Jags Chiefs in there, which one has the biggest blowout potential? And and if, if KC beating the Jags by 30 is too obvious, which of the other three could you see devolving into a true blowout? Um, so my, my pick w- would probably be the, the Chiefs, just because I, I think that they are – you know, again, I'm leveraged on the Bengals winning it all, but I would say that the Chiefs would, would be my pick right now to, to win it all. Um, but I would say the the Niners um, blowing out the the, the Cowboys. Um, you know, we, we talked about it a bit on the MKF show, the, the rest factor where, you know, the Niners basically have eight days to get ready for this one. The, the Cowboys have six. Um, I think that that's very important. And uh, I think that the, the Niners just kind of are rolling like, you know, Talk about the the making a statement. Uh, they've been doing that, you know, basically the, the entire last month, just really uh, laying waste to pretty much everyone that, that comes in their path. They're so complete. Um, you know, Purdy is playing well. That You have Debo Samuel, you have Brandon Ayuk, you have George Kittle, who's gotten going. You have McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. And that's just the offense. You know, the defense is nasty as well. D'Amico Ryans has really put it together for them. Um, you know, you got just stars all across the front. Um, love Fred Warner. I think he's one of the best players in the league period right now. So, I mean, there's so much to like about the, this team and we've seen Mike McCarthy teams and we've seen uh, Cowboys teams in the past just kind of wilt in the postseason. So, I mean, if, if the Niners kind of get things going early, they, they could really kind of put it on Dallas. I think. I think so too. I think we're going to know pretty quickly, uh, you know, if Dallas is, is going to be bringing it, in this game. Um, and to be fair, I mean, they got off to a relatively slow start against Tampa Bay. Both teams did, you know, it looked like it was kind of a punt fest early on. And, and then Dallas, you know, found something and what was able to kind of be off and running. But I, I, when it comes to Dallas, and I guess we could just kind of shift full on now uh, into this game, which is the, the late game on Sunday night. Uh, you mentioned the rest factor. I think it's actually a big deal. I mean, like two, two and a half days, pretty big difference when you're looking at when these teams last played, the biggest thing for me with Dallas is can they play another clean game? Can they go back to back weeks without one single turnover? 
And I get that's a lot to ask. You know, they, they could they could probably turn it over once and still have a chance to win this game. If they commit multiple turnovers, it's not happening. Like you're just not getting away with that uh, against San Francisco. And you know, the, the on Monday against Tampa Bay, that was their first game since all the way back in Week 11 that they did not commit a turnover. Um, and Week 11 was the only time since Week Five that they had not committed a turnover. So the numbers suggest that you know what happened in Tampa Bay is is somewhat of an anomaly. Like obviously we know what Dallas can do when they're operating at full strength. They've had plenty of games where they've blown teams out this year, but taking care of the ball, that that has not been their MO. No, it, it hasn't. You know, Dak, for, you know, having missed several games, didn't he, like, tie the interception lead this year? Yeah, he did. You know, yeah, so, I mean, that he did, he definitely needs to play play the clean game himself. Um, I, Ezekiel Elliott, I think, is also a problem. Like, if – it you know, say Dak is not quite as sharp as last week and they need an answer on the ground. Like Ezekiel Elliott has just been plotting uh, of late. And, you know, Tony Pollard, obviously he's exciting and everything, but I, I just don't know if he he's that guy that, that like you is con- going to consistently extend drives for you. The explosive plays are obviously there for him, especially in comparison to Zeke. But um, I, I think you, you'd feel a lot more comfortable if we could see like a vintage Zeke performance baked in here. But I, again, I, I don't necessarily believe yeah. that that's coming back. I, I don't know if that exists anymore for Ezekiel Bettis. I, I just I, I think he's <laughs> he's just kind of the, he's the ground and pound guy. He's the he's like their their like goal line fullback at this point. Um, you know, so during the 11 game winning streak for the 49ers, uh, they have a 23 to five turnover margin. So not only are they not turning it over, they've, they haven't, they have not committed multiple turnovers in any of those games, but they have five individual games where they committed one. They're forcing turnovers at a crazy rate during that span. So like, it just like, I, 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 I want this to be a competitive game. I, I think it can be a competitive game, but I I'm a little surprised that this line was hanging around at three and a half for much of the week. It's up to four now at bad MGM to me. That's, that's right. Like I, I, I know it's, like the Brock Purdy narrative is going to be there. We have to talk about it, but it's been, I mean, it's been bulletproof at this point. They've, they've had a couple scares, but they, they really haven't been tripped up. And I, I think that running game, and I think the defense can really carry them here. I just, I don't trust Dallas to be clean. That's, that's really more so what it comes down to. I don't think the, I don't think there's that much of a difference in talent between these two teams. Like when Dallas plays its best, it could beat San Francisco. No question about that. I just don't really trust Dallas to have another one of those games, especially twice in a row. Right. That that's what, that's what it comes down to. And, and so, you know, I think on, on the Niners side, we, we were talking about how it's an anomaly for, for the Cowboys to, to go a game without a turnover. Like I think sometimes if you're running super hot, uh, as far as takeaways are, are concerned, what do you do if that goes away? Um, yeah. But Cowboys are a team that, that, that tends to, you know, kind of help you uh, on that front. But, you know, the thing is also like if, if Purdy, kind of looks a little bit pedestrian in, in this one. I just still feel like the, the Niners can adjust on the fly and, and, you know, get the ground game going with. So like they, they have kind of like fail safes built into this offense right. now where, where, um, you know, and at the time, what did you think of the McCaffrey trade? I mean, I, I personally thought that they like gave up too much. And, and I also felt like, okay, like, McCaffrey's great and he's the best running back that, that they've had in San Francisco in quite some time. But the, the Shanahan system kind of just proves that you can put anyone in there and get right. production out of it. But now, I mean, that, that looks like, you know, type of a home run trade. He's definitely the best running back since Kevin Barlow, I would say in San Francisco. Um, I mean, it looks like a genius move for sure. I was, I was with you. I, I, I wouldn't say I, I just didn't have a strong opinion on it. I was like, okay, that that's cool. I mean, I, I want to see McCaffrey, in that system. And I, I think he's proved that he's like, he's almost more valuable in the Niners system than he was in Carolina. And I think the fact that Carolina just kind of kept rolling without him says a lot as well that, you know, I, I think he's one of those guys that if you use him correctly, you know, then you could kind of see what he could be in the perfect system. And I think that's what we've seen since that trade happened. You know, I, I almost think his, his ability as a pass catcher is more important than what he could do as a runner. Like the, the running, like, yeah, he's, he's an elite running back, even if you take away the pass catching, but there are, there are a lot of guys who are relatively comparable to him as a runner. There are not many guys who could do both and they might have the two best guys in the league at that when it comes to him and, and Debo Samuel. So seeing it from that perspective, like I, I totally get it. it. It looks like a great move, especially if they do go on even to make the Super Bowl. I, I think that would be, be deemed a, a rousing success as far as that trade goes, but the way they've used him, I mean, it, it makes total sense. And they've also been committed to running him on the ground. Like he, he has a lot of high carry games since that trade. 
Yes, he, he does. And so that they're getting the most out of it so far. I, I guess just like at the time, I didn't see them being a running back away. And they, they still had Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback back then. Uh, but obviously things have changed. And, and yet, um, you know, this is a Niners team that's as dangerous as any in the NFC or maybe even the NFL overall. Saw a good note from Josh Dubow. I think that's how you pronounce it, of the Associated Press. Uh, 49ers are the sixth team since the merger to lead the league in turnover margin, points per game allowed, and yards per game allowed. And three of the other five have won the Super Bowl. 2013 Seattle, 2002 Bucks, 85 Bears. Um, the other, the 06 Ravens are on that list, by the way. Uh, Boy, as well that as was the 2019 it. Patriots. That was that was a tough one. I went to the to that uh, loss. Uh, I think it was fifteen to nine Indianapolis mm-hmm. uh, in like a cold, rainy day in Baltimore. No, no touchdowns were scored. Uh, that was just, that was the McNair year. And then the, oh, the Ravens went into the went into the toilet the following year. Fired Brian Billick, then brought in Harbaugh. Rest is history. Uh, all right. So I, w- I want to make sure we get this uh, that MGM read in here uh, before we continue. I won my best bet last week i'm I'm sneaky hot right now yeah uh, 40 minors 49ers minus nine and a half uh you were on cincy nine and a half we just got a bad number there it was the right pick it was the right pick i thought so too um but you know rules are rules and and you know last week you were very accommodating to me because uh of the of the travel of the jet lag and so on but um i am i am willing to fall on the sword and and you know pay pay my just dues for you know my giving out a bad best bet so Therefore, I will go ahead and kick off divisional round with the king of sportsbook. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code BETROTO, that's B-E-T-R-O-T-O, and receive up to 1000 in bet credits. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, West, I'm sorry, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only must be 21 years or older to wager 19 or older in Ontario. This is a new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bet credits. Credits expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text Hope NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800 889 9789 in Tennessee or call 1 888 777 9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1 866 531 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii. Ohio, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Hey, well done. No notes for me. Uh, could, could not have gone better. Let's uh, let, let's make sure we're trading off again next week. Yeah, let, let's do that. That I I'd for, it had been so long since I did the full solo. I was like doing the Freebird solo just by myself. I mean, it's just <laughs> like you know minutes on, on end with a lot of. Yeah, we, we, we need guys like fanning you with a towel right now on the sideline. I feel like you just brought back like a 105 yard kickoff return. It's yeah. Similar to, um, I don't know if you, it, this is an old, this is sports center commercial with, with rich Eisen, but he, he goes to commercial and then like that all these like alarms are going off. He backs, backs off from the desk uh, and like a boxing, uh, trainer comes up and like gives him a bucket and he spits <laughs> in it and then someone gives him like a, a, a nice hot tea to sip on. Yep. Uh, I need that right now. Yeah, you you did it dignified. Uh, you did the right thing, uh, and I, I completely appreciate you uh, accepting your penance for again being on the right pick. But just you know, we, we got a bad number. We got a bad number. Uh, but you know, forget it. It's in the past. Uh, we're going to be both on the winning end this week. I have no doubt about that. Uh, all right, so we broke it down: Cowboys, Niners, 
and Giants Eagles. Let's for posterity here. Let's give our official picks. Uh, where are you going ATS on both of these games? So I will go Giants against the spread plus seven and a half. And I will go. Where am I going? I, I guess I will go with the Cowboys as as counter as that sounds to everything we just talked about. Um, I, I think that there's just something to, to be said about the possibility of the Cowboys a game and, and that being enough and, and the, the difficulty um, with some of those historical numbers of some of these big or not big home favorites. But um, I think that San Francisco could end up having to, to really grind this one out and with, with it being at four. Um, again, that, that's something where when you when you sit down and, and take a look at the lines early on in the week, that was the one that stuck out the, the most to me. It's like, hmm, interesting. I would have expected that one to be, you know, basically what, what the Bills uh, have against the Bengals, something like that. But the fact that it's low and it strikes me as low kind of makes me think that it, it's the right side. So I will go with the Cowboys. Okay. I'm with you on the Giants. That was a unanimous pick in Rotowire staff picks this week. Everybody's on Giants seven and a half. I like the Eagles to win outright. I love the Giants to cover. I'm going with the 49ers here. Uh, you know, we, we, we had it at three and a half in staff picks. I still feel pretty good about it at four. Of course, not, not a huge difference there. Um, I, I think you laid out a good case. Like if the Cowboys play their a game, if they don't turn it over, I think we do get a really close game. It could be a field goal either way, but I, I just don't love the chances of that happening. Short rest for Dallas going all the way across the country. Um, and the 49ers, like we said, they've been bulletproof for the better part of the last two months. However, Michael John McCarthy, 12-7-1 ATS in the playoffs as a head coach. Third most profitable ATS coach in the postseason. Uh, not a number that I, I expected. No. Uh, yeah, per perception, uh, maybe us living in Wisconsin for so long uh, kind of colors our, our view of old Mike there. But, mm -hmm. yeah, he, by and large, he's <laughs> – and I'm not making a, a joke uh, – he's done well against the number in the postseason. You can't, can't deny it. Wow. All right. Uh, yeah. I, I believe you that you aren't making a joke at the same time. I, I also don't, uh, by the way, no, no real weather concerns in either of these games, you know, Philly, we're looking at mid forties, you know, not a ton of wind, no precipitation, a little bit warmer out on the West coast. I think the, the atmospheric river seems to have passed. I feel like we were lied to, by the way, like I, I was, I was going unders on a bunch of uh, 49ers props last week, thinking that this would just be like a soupy muddy game. Like, where, where was this like torrential rain that was supposed to be coming? Yeah, they really ginned that up, didn't they? Like on the uh, on the Fox pregame, they were like, my God. And then like, you know, it gets a little bit closer to kick. And it's like, actually, the sun's peeking out. Seems fine. Feels good. All right. Sorry. Bye. Yeah, I, I think I compared it to that Bears game in what was that week one or week two for the mm -hmm. Niners. I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. They, they couldn't get by the Bears. Like, OK, no concern whatsoever. Sometimes, you know, the TV cameras can play tricks and it doesn't look as bad as it actually is in person. But yeah, that, that was a just really complete non-factor last week. Um, any, any thoughts on the totals in these games, by the way? We got high totals across the board. Cowboys-Niners, 46. That's the lowest total of the week. 48 in Giants-Eagles. Um, I th I think I like the I like the over in the Cowboys-49ers game. I, I think that the, that one's going to be played in the mid to high 20s um, on both sides. And I think that I would like the under in that Giants game because I like the Giants to cover and I don't think that they cover by getting into a shootout with, with the Eagles. So I think that that's going to be yep. something that's closer to like a 24, 20 type of type outcome. Okay. That, that tracks to me. Uh, we'll, we'll have more notes on that uh, Philly Giants total to come uh, in the teaser section. So hang on to your hats for that. Uh, all right, let's go back to Jags chiefs. We'll, we'll finish up this game. We touched on it a little bit in the beginning. Um, I, I'm on the chiefs. Eight and a half here. I do think the Jags show up. I do think they make this a game. I don't think it's possible that they could get off to a worse start than last week. I think you have to keep in mind that they also got off to a pretty rough start against Josh Dobbs in week 18. I, I think chances are that comes around and they're they're at least a little more prepared and they're not just getting you know completely smacked in the mouth in the first half. But with that said, I mean, they were, they were plus three in the turnover battle, plus four if you count a opening onside kick, which they recovered when they played the Chiefs in week 10. Still ended up losing that game. Still did not end up covering. They lost by 10 at Arrowhead. That was the first game that a team had a plus three turnover differential and lost by double digits in five years. It was only the fourth time in the last like 15 years. So 
you know, it, it, some of these numbers, you know, you, you kind of start talking to yourself one way and then you're saying like, well, can, that can't possibly happen again. But to me, it's like, what are the chances that the Jags, you know, win the turnover battle resoundingly twice in a row at Arrowhead? Probably not good. So I, I, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to canvas like as many stats and opinions as I can to like drum up some belief in the Jags. But ultimately, I, I think we come out of this game saying fun season for the Jags. They put up a good fight, but the Chiefs are just too good. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the the win last week, not not to take anything away from the Jags, but if there's if there was a team on this postseason card uh, that could blow a game like that, it would be the Chargers and, and you know, that right. they were on the road. So Chiefs at home, Arrowhead, Mahomes, like I just have such a hard time seeing Mahomes not playing next weekend. It's literally um, never happened. I mean, he's going for his fifth straight AFC title game. He's never lost in the wild card or the divisional. I'm not sick of him yet, but oh, I think we're, we're, we're going to get there eventually. Although he he's always been more fun to watch than Tom Brady. Um, but that's a side discussion. Um, but no, I feel like the, the chiefs are just, they're so complete that they've proven that, you know, that they, they can absorb the loss of Tyree kill and, and keep clicking on offense. The defense is good opportunistic. Um, you know, Chris Jones is, is a scary, scary individual in the middle. He could blow up that line, get after Lawrence I just I feel like the the Chiefs end up winning this one by ten, and I, I think that that is mu- much more likely than them having to hold on by by less than a touchdown. First of all, you're right about Tom Brady. I don't want to let that throwaway comment go. Like, has there ever been a more boring like goat in in any sport? It's like nobody was ever like, man, Michael Jordan. He was so boring. Like Tom Brady would be. It's like if Tobias Harris became like the greatest NBA player ever. <laughs> Thank. You. I mean, he just he throws. He's ridiculously you know precise you got to give him that but like it, there's there's no wow plays in in his highlight reel it feels like it, it's just like well-placed slants mm-hmm. to Dion branch uh, I will say one thing that plays in the Jags favor I did see that Jackson Mahomes is back on TikTok as of oh. earlier this week uh, that can't be a positive for Kansas City I, I'm not sure that it'll ultimately affect uh, what happens on the field, but it, it's not a plus for the Chiefs. I think yeah, I think that's a check in favor of the Jags. How uh, long I have was a few the more... hiatus? I'm not really sure. I haven't I haven't been following this all that closely, but I, I just saw like a bunch of stories on Twitter that's like Jackson Mahomes is back just in time for the playoffs. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if that ends up you know moving the line at all over the next couple of next couple of days. Here, I would I would expect probably not, uh, but we'll find out. I have a few numbers that I want to throw out uh, about this game, and then we'll move on. Mahomes seven and two straight up, six and three. ATS at home in the postseason. Like I said, never lost in the first or the second round. The Chiefs are now favored for their 14th playoff game in a row. That is the longest streak in the Super Bowl era. Pretty insane. Andy Reid off a bye, 28 and six straight up, 18 and two straight up at home after a bye. That's of course including regular season. And the one thing we haven't really touched on with this game, um, and you know, you and I, we don't really get too deep into props. Whatever you could find for Travis Kelsey's uh, receiving yard prop in this game, I'd be looking to hammer that pretty good. Uh, I, I don't know where that sits exactly right now. Uh, it's at 79 and a half, excuse me, over at BetMGM. 79 and a half. And I could tell you relative to some other inferior sports books, that's a pretty friendly number. I would be hammering that pretty good. Uh, Travis Kelsey needs 99 yards to set the all-time postseason receiving record by a tight end. That is held by Grant or Grant by Gronk. Uh, he has six consecutive 95-plus yard playoff games. Insane. The dude is such a machine. And, like, he uh, – him versus one of Andre Sisco or Rayshon Jenkins. Jenkins obviously had a, had a good year, but um, I, I, that's such a mismatch. If you get one of the linebackers on him, like, it's a wrap right there. And and I think that, you know, th- this year is one of my biggest fantasy faux pas was, was thinking not, not necessarily that – by extension of Tyreek Hill being gone that, uh, you know, Kelsey won't be as effective. I just kind of, he's like six months younger than Gronk. Like he, he, I just kind of figured that maybe he starts to slow down. No, God, no. Uh, He is, he is still just as good as as he's been in in recent years. And I just, he's just like, he plays like a bull in a China shop and it's just, he's going to be knocking dudes over getting into the end zone I, I love the more in the over on, on the 79 and a half anytime touchdown score. I would even consider taking a gander at, at two plus touchdowns for, for Travis Kelsey. Honestly, you read my mind. I'm looking at that right now. Plus two sixty for Travis Kelsey to score twice in this game. I and mean, his touchdown production has been down 
uh, over the last few games, uh, really dating back to like midway through the regular season does feel like uh, there could be a pretty major breakout coming. And Jacksonville, as you alluded to the personnel, not great defending tight ends. And they were bottom five in the league uh, in terms of fantasy points allowed to that position during the regular season. So uh, yeah, could be a big day. Will be a big day. I feel pretty confident saying for Travis Kelsey. All right, let's get to Bengals bills. Last game on the slate. Uh, this is the afternoon game on Sunday. Bills five and a half point favorites at Bet MGM total sitting at 48 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, visiting my, my grandparents in South Carolina this weekend, and I'm going to be rudely leaving right after breakfast to, to make sure that I uh, get back in front of a television uh, on Sunday afternoon. I'm not going to say why. Please escort back to Atlanta. Yeah, I'm just going to be like, oh, guys, like I got. Uh, work tomorrow. Sure. That that'll, <laughs> I, I need a good 16 hours of sleep. So I got to get back by two fifty nine. Um, but yeah, I, I cannot wait for this game. I think it's such a great matchup. Uh, we, we haven't really gotten, uh, uh, you know, among like the, the great quarterbacks, great young quarterbacks in the AFC, we haven't seen a whole lot of Allen Burrow clashes just yet. And so getting this one here in this spot with, with the right to go to the AFC championship game, it's in Buffalo going to be completely raucous. I can't wait. I've, I've been, I've thought that this was like, you know, one of the best potential matchups in the postseason period. Like it, it could end up on paper, just like being more watchable as a game that, than the Super Bowl. Obviously you're going to watch the Super Bowl, but um, that's just to say that we have two, you know, young legacies a little bit on the line. And obviously the, the bills uh, favored by a, a decent little bit here. You know, the, the suggestion being that they can win this one by a touchdown. But, you know, again, like I alluded to earlier, the Bengals, that offensive line is an issue. I think I'd be more concerned with it if Von Miller was healthy on the other side. But, you know, Greg Russo has turned into a nice player out of Miami for, for Buffalo. Um, AJ Epinesa, not quite there yet, but um, I don't know. I feel like the Bills, the Bills, the old line has been said about them over the last couple of years is it's a defense built to slow down the Chiefs. But can it slow down the Bengals? That's the question. That is a very good question. And I, I think this number is a couple points higher than I would have expected if these teams were at full strength. And I, I think the number one question, especially talking to our, our guy, Jeff Erickson, on the XM show all week, he's a Bengals fan. He is very, very concerned about the offensive line holding up potentially. And I think at this point, likely being down three starters uh, with Jonah Williams going out last week with that dislocated kneecap, totally fair question. Like you could trace a lot of the games that the Bengals have struggled in not only this year, but last year is when Joe Burrow's under siege. If he's being sacked three, four, five, six times, they, they more often than not, they lose those games and you don't necessarily want to be down three linemen going into a matchup against the Buffalo bills. So I, I get it. I, I still I still think the Bengals find a way to, to cover this though. I I'm not quite as confident as I am about the giants covering, you know, seven and a half. It's just a friendlier number. Um, but I don't think the Bengals roll over here. And I, I think if Burrow is sacked three or fewer times, I, I think there's a pretty decent chance Cincinnati could win this outright. Yes, I, I think so as well. And, and, you know, when it comes to the offensive line thing, once again, like your points well taken, if, if Burrow's getting just sacked every play, then, you know, this is a non-starter, but, you know, the, the, it's not like Burroughs used to having this amazing offensive line at, at any point in his professional career. Right. Like it, he's he's used to, you know, what what he's seen for the most part. And the, the Bengals, you know, did well, if, at least in terms of its endeavor to, to bolster the offensive line. It didn't really pan out the way they probably would have hoped, especially now with, with all the injuries. But Burrow knows what to like what to expect. It's not like, again, to, to bag on Tom Brady, but like. Brady like needs a very good offensive line or, or otherwise like it, it's curtains like Burrow kind of is a little bit cagier no, knows uh, how to you know get rid of the ball. Uh, if you know, if the offensive line is, he knows that it's not holding up all that well. So I think that they're, they're going to be able to adjust. And then for the sack issues that the Burrow could be facing here, what that could end up being neutralized by Josh Allen and his recklessness with the ball. I mean, the, the turnovers have been an issue for, for Allen and the bills this year. So, I mean, you know, if, if it ends up being a wash in that respect where, you know, Burrow gets sacked five times, but the, the bills turn it over twice, like, you know, that then we have ourselves kind of level footing once again. Yeah. Turnovers are a, a major, major, major factor here. And you know, the, the last three games for Buffalo, they've committed three turnovers in each. Chicago, New England, and then Miami. 
last week. I mean, that's ultimately what enabled Miami to hang around. And for a while there, like, looked like they might actually win that game. I mean, that, that fumble touchdown completely flipped that game. Buffalo was up 17, nothing in the first quarter. So like, I, I feel like even if Cincinnati gets off to a rough start, like even if they fall behind 14 to zero at the end of the first quarter, like Buffalo has proven time and time again, that they will let a team like the Miami dolphins with Skylar Thompson back into a game. Like you can't, you can't get away with that against the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't care how many linemen you're down. Like if Buffalo plays the exact same game this week as it played last week, it will lose. Yeah. I mean, that was a B minus C plus game from them. Uh, they, they, they can't survive against Cincinnati uh, with that. And I, I, I never quite understand it when it when it comes to Josh Allen and the fumbling issues because you know everyone just talks about how big the big the mitts are. He's just he gets stripped like a lot. He he like he runs the ball and holds it like Shady McCoy. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you got you got to tuck it, man. You, you just got to tuck it. Like a, a lot of them are kind of you know it's not like he's being hit blindsided. You know, he's kind of trying to stiff arm a guy and hold the ball out there. And yeah, it's it, it's reckless. There's no other way to describe it. And it, it does feel like at some point that's going to come back to haunt them. Maybe it's this round. Maybe it's, you know, next round against Kansas city. Maybe it's in the super bowl. Who knows? Um, do you think we get a DeMar Hamlin appearance in pregame by the way? Because if so, I mean, that place is going to be beyond charged up. Yeah, that, that is certainly that that's going to be unbelievable. If, if he is out there and, and, uh, you know, saying, Hey, to the crowd, uh, it's going to be insane. Set, like probably set the decibel level, uh, at that stadium. Um, you know, I was, I was listening to a, a, an interview with Booger McFarland last week and they were asking him about what, you know, what, what factor does like emotion and, and a charged up crowd, like, what does that really, uh, where does that impact the game, if at all? And Booger was pretty frank about it. He said that it does have an impact, but it's early. So if, if mm-hmm. the Bills are able to capitalize on that early, like their first drive, they, they come out and score a touchdown and then the, the Bengals go three and out, then I think that, you know, there, there is a, a quantifiable impact from this. But if the Bengals can kind of survive, get out of the first half of the first quarter um, with, with, you know, with uh, with kind of level footing with, with the Bills there, then I, I think that, you know, that that factor kind of, kind of goes by the wayside just a little bit. Right. Well, and, you know, two weeks ago we saw – you know, the, the crowd's going wild and Naheem Hines brings back the opening kick. And then yet again, they're somehow trailing that game to the Patriots in the second half, you know? So it's like, I just, I just don't know what to do with this Buffalo team. Like when, when they're at their best, they're, they're maybe probably the best team in the league, but uh, you, you just feel like there, there's so much variance. And again, I, I don't think you can get away with that uh, against Cincinnati. Uh, let's go to a few props from this game and we'll move on and, and finish up here. Uh, a lot of low rushing yard totals this week. Like it says a lot that Travis Etienne has the highest number on the board. At that MGM, he's at 70 and a half. How do you feel about Joe Mixon? 46 and a half is the number. So Mixon can under deliver with the best of them among like talented running backs. It, we, we know the that goats when it comes to under delivering. Yeah, he's impeccable at it. But this is a spot where they, where they need him. And I, I think that the Bills, they're really good up front. I think the linebacking core can be a little bit oversold as far as how good it is. Um, so I, I think with the Bengals being a little bit shorthanded in uh, along the offensive line to mitigate that pass rush a little bit, you have to get the run game going. And it, whether it is Mixon or P Ryan, I, I know we're talking about Mixon here, but I, I think overarching statement that the Bengals do need to get some some traction there on the ground. And I think Mixon obviously option A for them. And I, I think that we're going to see him push for 15 plus carries. And I, I think w- with that in mind, I think he can clear that number. Okay. Well, we'll see, man. I, I'm worried about the offensive line, of course, when it comes to Mixon. But if anything, I think they've they've kind of shown that they're willing to pound Joe Mixon to a fault at times. Like especially earlier this season, it felt like they were running Mixon like a kind of a unnecessary amount. Uh, you look at some of like the the carry totals. Like he had multiple 20 plus carry games over the first half of the season, and had the injury, and it hasn't been quite as severe these last few weeks. But uh, I'm skeptical. I I think if we get a shootout in this game and uh, again, total is 48 and a half. I think that's fairly likely. I, I think that shootout comes through the air. So like, I, I'd be inclined to go to take the over on, on both Josh Allen and Joe Burrow passing yard props. Okay. The, totally understand there. And you know, that following the, the total they're they're not going to get there just by having this be the Naeem Hines and, and Joe Mixon show or the James yeah. Cook show, Devin Singletary, the list goes on, but so, yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense if, if this game's going to, flow that way but i think that the Bengals 
they they might not be able to afford letting this one turn into into that where where they're in all these obvious passing situations all the time. So I think that, that this one might be a little bit more defensive heavy. Uh, for at least I see one path, one outcome of this game going that way. So I I'm gonna go with with I, I guess under for 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 both of those quarterback passing props yeah. and it. You know, it doesn't feel great betting against either of those guys, but it, it just could be the like the shape that this game takes. Man, it's getting pretty heated on this pod. Disagreement, isn't it? Yeah, Tell you what? real Man, contentious. I, I, I cut the tension with a knife right now. <laughs> uh, all right, let, let's touch on Super Bowl odds real quick. Then we'll do parlays and the teaser and get out of here. Uh, and what's your favorite value bet right now? You know, we'll do this. You know, with each round going forward, and obviously, you know, the field is going to get shorter and shorter. But uh, if you had to place a bet right now for a team to win the Super Bowl, which odds do you like the best? Well, I believe the, the Bengals might have dropped a little bit to, uh, from last week. I think they were like maybe seven plus 750. Uh, now they're eight to one. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, I like that a good bit. And then uh, the, the Niners, that they are the highest or best odds of the NFC teams at, at four to one. But I, I still think four to one is a really nice number on them. Yeah, I mean, it goes without saying. If, if you like the Niners, jump on that now. That that number is not going to get any lower, uh, if, especially if they win this weekend. Uh, you know, Eagles five to one, Bengals eight to one, Cowboys nine to one, and then you got both the Giants and the Jags at twenty-five to one. Certainly would not bet the Jags. Uh, the Giants, it's like I, I could see the Giants winning this game. I just I can't see them winning the Super Bowl. You know, it, no. it's like could could they catch Philly at the right time, win that game? You know, they, it'll be the third meeting this season in division. Like, yeah, you you could talk me into that you can't necessarily talk me into them beating the 49ers and then beating the chiefs bills or Bengals. So I, I just think you know, putting a future down on, on either of those long shots doesn't really make a lot of sense, but yeah, I'm with you. I think in terms of value, I would go Bengals uh, totally makes sense that the chiefs are the favorites. They're at plus two ninety, Buffalo three twenty five. but yeah, Niners and Bengals. I think those are the best values. Uh, I have a quick trivia question for you, John, uh, before we get to the parlays, who was the last MVP to win the Super Bowl the same year uh, that he won the MVP award. So I'm going to go with Drew Brees. That is a very good guess. I will tell you that is incorrect. So while I look up the list of MVPs, feel free to take another guess. Um, so if, if it's not him, it, it's obviously not Cam Newton, even though he made the Super Bowl that, that year that he won MVP, didn't quite uh, get it done. Uh, Matt Ryan did not get it done in, in his. Um, so we're, we're looking a little bit further back. Yep. Uh, wouldn't be Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger never won one. And Drew Brees actually never won an MVP either. That's what I was double checking. Okay. All right. That, hmm. I'm going to go. Would it have been Peyton Manning? It would not have been Peyton Manning. A good guess. Manning won it in uh, 03. He split it with McNair and then 04, but uh, did not win it the year that they won the Super Bowl. He also won the award in 08 and 09. We got to go all the way back to 1999, John. Kurt Warner Ah. is the last player to win a Super Bowl and the MVP to sweep both of those. Man, it is so crazy that that happened. Like, just out of, like, I don't know, the... It just opens the whole story of, of Kurt Warner's career. And, yeah. and just, despite his best efforts with the movie to besmirch his own legacy, that dude, that dude was such a hoss. <laughs> he was a major hoss, major, major hoss. I mean, if you like kids our age, especially at the time, like if you didn't, if you didn't have a Marshall Falk jersey or an Isaac Bruce jersey or a Tory Holt jersey, like that was the team at that time. What if, uh, what if they came out with a line be- because the time wise, it, it kind of lines up. Remember the Hulk hands? Yes. Uh, you get those, but like Tory Holt hands and they're just crooked fingers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I didn't think we would be you know going down this entrepreneurial uh, pathway, but I, I love it. I love it. I, I think this is officially on the record. It's officially trademarked. So uh, if, if like Mattel or any other toy company is out there already thinking about this, nope, it's off limits. We got it. Yep, uh, all right, so John. They got to come through us. Yeah. Let's get to the parlays uh, and then we'll reveal the just red hot, teaser of the week uh give me your your most confident parlay here we're not talking dog parlay just just the regular parlay of the week okay so these are all against the spread um and it, it pays out uh plus 12 28 um so give me the chiefs giants Bengals, and cowboys to, to all cover okay i'm going chiefs giants Bengals, and 49ers to all cover that also plays plus 12 28 uh we've talked through all these games at this point i think we know where we stand there uh, so let's move on to the underdog parlays of the week. 
Okay, I will do do Bengals money line and Dallas plus four. That gives you plus four seventy three odds. Okay, I like it. I'm going Bengals to cover five and a half, and I'm taking the Giants to cover seven and a half. That gets you, you know, only at a plus two sixty four. Uh, but you know, we're, we're not taking money lines here. We're, we're going spreads, so can't expect too much. And by the way, we we both were on the Bucks in our underdog parlay last week. You know, limited pickings there. I didn't love the Bucks, but you, you kind of had to throw them in there. Man, both of them would have hit had it not been for Tampa Bay. Yeah, and that, that was tough. And I was, uh, you know, I was I was texting you during the during the game Monday, and I'd forgotten if I was on the over or the under for for that one. But those mm-hmm. those modern missed uh, extra points really kind of kind of did in the the over. It would have cleared, you know, fit not like by a lot, but it would have cleared with, with plenty of time left on the clock. I want to bring that up, by the way. I totally forgot to mention it when we were talking about Dallas, San Francisco. Like, how, how does that factor in? Like, do you, when you go about analyzing this game and kind of doing your research, like, did you, is that in the back of your mind? Do you, do you think there's any carryover for Maher? It, there almost has to be. Uh, I mean, that was just such a meltdown on, on such a big stage. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Cowboys got out of it just fine, but I mean, you know, did, did Maher escape? unscathed I, I think not I think that's absolutely going to be on his mind I think it's it, you know more than usual it's going to be particularly loud in San Francisco when when, when he's out there to kick and uh, that that could be an issue I, I could definitely see him mi- missing another extra point in this one I think it you know he's got a you know just like a shooter in basketball like it, on a cold streak you got to see one go in he did get to yep. see one late in the game so maybe that helps but uh, yeah I think it's a it's a dicey proposition to, to say that he plays a, cl- a clean game and clean's been like the operative word when it comes to yeah. Dallas. Well, and he didn't even attempt a field goal in that game. Like I, I think, you know, extra points are one thing, but chances are at some point he's going to be taking a meaningful field goal in this game. And, you know, it's, it's not even about the result necessarily. I, I'm more curious to, to see how it affects the play calling for Dallas. You know, if it's, if it's fourth and four, and you're at the 35 yard line, like I, you, you got, you have to think that you're at least now like 20% more likely to go for that. I would think so. But uh, Mario Puig, our, our, our colleague brought up a good point that as bad as Mario has been on extra points, he is pretty money from distance as it, as it comes to, to field goals. Like I think he has the most 60 yard field goals yep. of any kicker in the league. So, I mean, mm-hmm. even more than Justin Tucker. Yep. Um, so, I mean, there, there is something to be said for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that maybe maybe McCarthy will like pick the absolute worst time to be an analytics guy and like go for two and like the the worst spot possible, and then they miss it type yeah. of thing. I could see that. I could see that putting McCarthy's brain in a pretzel, maybe more than Mars. Maybe the extra points are too close. Like maybe they need to get like a personal foul on the initial extra point, back it up fifteen yards, and then kick it. Then yeah, then his mind is completely clear. He's zen. He he's in game breaker mode and he's ready to go. 68 yard extra point bangs it through no problem <laughs> good All for right. 80 <laughs> it's uh it's time for the teaser we're, we're hot on the teasers i think we've hit three in a row now um we're going with another seven pointer those have been kind to us last week uh we teased the niners down to two and a half that was golden we luckily teased the Bengals from nine and a half to two and a half that one hit uh teased that jags chargers total down to 40 and a half wouldn't have mattered went over the 47 and a half either way um but i, I feel pretty good about this one as well, John, we are going to involve the Philadelphia Eagles, teasing them from seven and a half down to 0.5. They just have to win. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, another obvious candidate here, teasing them down from eight and a half down to one and a half, uh, close to essentially a money line on the Chiefs. And then we're bringing in another total. We're going to do it. We are going to tease the Giants Eagles total from 48 to 55. And we're taking the under. I, I know you said you like the under on 48. That makes me feel even better about this. I like it, man. You, you've been cooking with gas on, on these. I know that uh, cooking with gas is, is quite a, a uh, yeah. you know, a controversial cooking topic. Cooking with electricity. Yeah, cooking with electricity these days. Uh, my, my burner with the hot spots. Uh, I actually have a gas stove. It's kind of wild. But, um, but yes, no, you, you've found the recipe and you've been cooking it up on these teasers. I love it. All right. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, if you want to tail us on the teaser, if you want to tail us or if you want to go against us, uh, on the parlays, make sure you're doing that over at betmgm.com, betmgm app. And of course, of course, you're using that promo code betroto. That's B E T R O T O. You can receive up to $1,000 in bet credits with our promo code betroto. Jonathan, it's time to lock it up. Where are you going? All right. Well, they, they, 
did it to me in in multiple ways last week. Neither of them were good. They they not only didn't cover, but they uh, they also knocked my Ravens out of the playoffs. But you know what? You get back on the horse. I'm riding with the with the Bengals again. I think that they they go into Buffalo and they keep this one close. You don't have to be so crazy as to say that they're going to do the money line. Let me do my thing, but I like them to cover the five and a half. Okay. I, I just made a, a kind of a snap decision here. I don't love any of these lines nearly as much as I did a few from last week, but I'm going with the Chiefs. Call it an emotional hedge if you want, but I think eight and a half, you know, this could easily be nine and a half. It wouldn't be insane if it was in the double digits. So I, I think you are getting some value here. I think you and I agree that the Chiefs probably win this game by 10, maybe exactly 10. They've already beat the Jags by 10 this year in a game where they were minus three on the turnover margin. Uh, you know, as we said, I think that doesn't happen again. So, um, you know, I, I was off the Jags last week. I was wrong. I, I hope I'm wrong again, but I have a sneaking suspicion that KC takes care of business here. Yeah, I, I unfortunately, I, I tend to agree with you. It sets up at least one half of the AFC championship game being an excellent game. And, you know, either way, if the, if the Chiefs win, you get either the rematch of that divisional game from last year or the AFC championship once again. So um, I, I think that that's what we're going to be looking at. And I think the Chiefs just kind of mm. kind of get her done here, unfortunately. Wow. Uh, Larry the Cable Guy reference uh, over an hour into the pod. Love to see that. Um, all right, man. That's going to do Here's it for us. Uh, <laughs> it's time and, uh, to end the show. <laughs> enjoy the visit to the grandparents this weekend. Hopefully you get out of there in time uh, to, to catch those games. Uh, on, are, are you coming back Saturday or Sunday? Uh, I will be back uh, Sunday. So okay. my, my we'll, we'll watch it together. They are football guys I, I, and, and gals, but uh, I, I have my, di- the, the odds are crazy on them finishing the, the night game on, on Saturday, but um, okay. yeah, so I'll be, I'll be back here in, in Georgia to watch the, uh, watch the three. Luckily it's a three thirty Eastern kickoff mm-hmm. for the, for that uh, Bengals game. Okay, man. Well, safe travels and uh, looking forward to all the games this weekend. Best of luck to you. Best of luck to everybody listening. And once again, if you are going to do some wagering on the NFL this weekend, make sure you're doing that over at BetMGM and on the BetMGM app.